fantasy football, head versus heart. Game week two is complete. Mm, it's all over, isn't it? And I would, I'm going to say normal service has been resumed, I think. Thanks very much, Mike. Last week was a bit too close for comfort for me, but uh, yeah, uh, 55 to 40 point victory yeah. now. So I've gone gone up to six points in our head-to-head league. Real. You're rock bottom. Are they... That's not relatively high, a high game week anyway, though, is it? it? No, you... What, what you had... There were some very unusual scores Mm -hmm. Um, but it's because there were some unusual players that did really well yeah Um, a lot of the big players you're looking at Man United midfield most of the Arsenal midfield Mm -hmm. just didn't perform Haaland only scored a couple of points so missed out on um, missed out on some big captaincy points there so all the big big players didn't do very well Um, and because of that the average score was a bit lower yeah so there were some really close games as well and some I guess surprises, obviously, West Ham beating Chelsea, Tottenham mm-hmm. beating Man United. Yeah. And I guess that sort of brings me on to, um, as we head into game week three, potential changes that we might see across the board. So in the early weeks, we were we were talking about the amount of people that took Gabriel out, the amount of people that bought Isak in. I think you're going to see a lot of people taking Fernandes and Rashford out, do you think, based on Man United's start to the season? Yeah, probably. Um, I'm going to say, though, don't do it mm-hmm. this week. They've got some tricky fixtures coming up after this, but they're, they're, they've got a, a much easier fixture this this weekend against yeah. Forest. Now, Forest aren't a, a walkover, but you'd expect Man United to score a couple past past Forest. They're not going to be they're not going to be duds all season. So you do say that, Dave. But Man United were awful against Wolves as well, and then look what Brighton did to Wolves this weekend. They were. I think you're gonna you're gonna see some tactical changes though. I was having a look at. At what actually happened in those games and last year Casemiro came in and sorted that Man United team out almost instantly mm-hmm. um, What the way that they're playing this year though is is a little bit different in that he's very very isolated last year he had Ericsson fairly close to him and Fred I think and they've, they've they, formed quite a good partnership yeah, and, and Fred there were some games as well so they, they were playing with two in central midfield which meant Casemiro could cover but there was always, always somebody very close to him yeah. this year they've been playing with Mount and Fernandez, who have both been trying to get forward Mount has been absolutely abysmal he's actually just carried on the way that, that I think he was playing for Chelsea and, and for England as well where he runs around a lot but you also That's never notice him. He doesn't yeah. do anything. Uh, well, so, to add to that, Dave, he's actually out now, isn't he? He is out now. So this, this is really important. So it yeah. means that it's going to be Ericsson or it will be McTominay. Somebody like that will be in. But they're naturally not going to get as, as, far, for, as far forward, mm-hmm. which means Casemiro is going to have a bit of help. Yeah. So... So Fernandez and Rashford it could be a good week. Fernando so has... N- Fernand- Fernando Fernandez has a, has a little bit of less competition for that attacking midfield slot because mm-hmm. when someone else is there as well you're either going to get in each other's way or you have to take your turn to sit back yeah well Fernandez actually has has been really dangerous so far there's just been no one to get on the end of his um his, his crosses and things because Rashford has been appalling yeah so I would expect that this week they change it up a little bit and go back to a little bit more like they 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 did last year. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't actually be surprised if you saw somebody like Martial or Sancho play up front. Okay. Rashford is so much more effective when he's on the left. Yeah, you're right. Same for England, same for Man United. Drop it back to that with a slightly more defensive midfielder in McTominay or Eriksen. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll go back to similar to how it was last year, where they were they were big scoring players and so yeah, I'm I'm definitely not gonna make any 
many any changes with those those guys this week. Got bigger issues, I think. And that's the that's the point I wanted to get onto. So yeah. if people were looking at taking out Man United players, especially with Forrest coming up, I've seen it quite a lot from on social media where people are saying, you know, this could be the final week and, and then they use a wild card. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to that stage. I mean you've got big injuries as well. Um, from you know the Arsenal defence, you've got Rhys James as well, which not surprising really. He, he always seems to be injured. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chelsea haven't. I mean, they they played well in both games, but they're not really drawing in the numbers that you would expect them to. No, the only Chelsea player really worth considering, in my opinion, is Chilwell. They've got some cheaper options in Colwell and um, Malo Gusto, the right back. There's, there's, there seems to be quite a lot of confidence that he's going to be starting, and he was really, really effective in in the French league last year. But if Chelsea want to want to tighten things up a little bit, they have got a few of the players that can play in that position, and I just I'm just not that convinced with it. I see that as a transfer that is just going to have to be undone in a few weeks' time. Mm-hmm. As soon as Reece James is back. He will be straight back in the team. Yeah, whether most that's people are going three at the back anyway, right? So you've got yeah. two sub defenders. Yeah. Now you, the chances are you've probably got Gabriel, who looks like he's been dropped. Mm-hmm. He may come back in every now and again, but he's not as guaranteed as he was. Um, Timber obviously got got injured. Yeah. Uh, you've got John Stones, who was in a lot of people's teams at the start, who's injured. Yeah. And Man City have got so many centre backs now. I, I don't even know who's going to play. Mm-hmm. So they they are probably bigger priorities, I think. Yeah. Um, to, to get rid of. So, yeah. It's there's... really strange with Man City because you'd think to have an effective team, City obviously winning the title last year, you've got to have a lot of City players in there. But other than Edison and Haaland, mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to play. Like, that's how unpredictable <laughs> Guardiola is with his lineups. You looked at, in previous seasons, different midfielders have done well at different times. That There was a, a couple of years ago, Bernardo Silva went on a massive run. Mm-hmm. But as soon as everyone got around to putting him in, in the team, he then got to start getting dropped a few times as well. Yeah. Gundogan has done it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, Gundogan normally comes good at the end of the season, didn't he? He used to, he used to always go yeah, there right was, at the end of the season. There was a massive run where he... For about five or six weeks, he scored every single week. Yeah. That was when they didn't have a, a proper striker and they were rotating who they were putting in that like false nine yeah. position. Now they've got Haaland, though. It's a little bit more consistent. But even still, their midfield, they've still got five, six, seven players that all could conceivably start with Alvarez dropping back into it, into the mix as well now. Yeah. And they just signed Doku as well, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And there's another one. And as soon as then, Anna De Bruyne's out for a, a few months, which which makes it a little bit less, um, a little bit less rotation. But yeah, with Doku coming in, it's another replacement, isn't mm-hmm. it? So we, uh, they, they, I think they spread their points out a lot more. Whereas you've got, if you have a talisman for a team, Somebody like Eze, who I know has not had a really good start, as you'll, you'll, you'll know, you'll be fully aware of. Uh, a lot of things will go through him, and so the, the, the largest proportion of points would probably go to him or maybe Edouard, Edouard or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Within Man City, they are all capable of scoring points. So whilst yeah. they may score the most goals in the league... It's split across the team, isn't it? So you, are, yeah. you might not, from a fantasy football point of view benefit from having those players in yeah you end up chasing it don't you you go yeah. right I've gone Foden this week and yeah. then there's somebody else that has a decent week and then you change yeah. it to that one and then it's Foden that has the good if one. Grealish makes a miraculous comeback he seems to have gone out of favour now but if 
that there's, there's nothing to say that Pep is not going to drop Foden, even though he ran the game against Newcastle. He was incredible. Yeah. That's how he should be playing every week in, week out like that. Yeah. He's got the potential to do it. But there's nothing to say that Pep, especially when the Champions League starts again, it's Foden just going to drop out of that team and play Champions League matches. Mm. So Grealish steps in, and before you know it, you, you, you are in that position where you're taking, chopping and changing. So is it even worth doing it? I don't yeah, know. I don't know the answer to that. If we look at performing players, then mm-hmm. you have to look at Brighton again. Mm-hmm. Estupinan, um, yeah, and uh, Matoma have yeah. both, both been excellent again. Um, we joked about that, that on social media they were talking about Estupinan's assist <laughs> for Matoma's goal, yeah, yeah. where he basically played a seven-yard pass. Yeah, and took on the entire team, but. Brighton look really good. There's a lot of people, again, if we talk about changes that might be taking Pedro out, that mm-hmm. looks like that's going to be rotational. Um, they've got West Ham this weekend, uh, the Saturday evening game, and we've never beaten them in the Premier League. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there's always a first time for everything, but you'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to be banking again on Brighton doing well. And I guess the other one is, yeah. is, is Mbuemo, who yeah. is still performing really well. With Brighton, I would say... There's always, it's always been a bit of a thing with Solly March that he just isn't a very fashionable player to have in your team. I don't really know why why it's never caught on, but he's showed again. He I mean he scored twice at the weekend. Yeah. He he doesn't do from in CISO, Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. He doesn't do anything flashy, but he's really effective. He's a really good point scorer, and one of the people that was competing for his position was Buono Buonanotte, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's either gone on loan or he's about to go on loan. Okay. In March, his position might be a little bit more secure as yeah. well. So he's already starting on the right wing. But if he's got no competition or very little competition, he could he could actually be the best Brighton player to be mm. going for. And it's, what, what I found, and especially if you look at his goals, for a right winger, I mean, I don't know whether... I need to watch Brighton a bit more closely, whether they've just got all free reign, those players. Mm-hmm. Because Solly March was basically on the penalty spot, you know, drifting in. Yeah, like, it, it reminded me a bit of how Raheem Sterling used to just always be in the box. As soon as yeah. the other wing got the ball, he goes straight into the box mm. and March is that similar type of player. Yeah, I don't think Mittimer is. He, he's, he's he's more of the, the playmaker. He, he does those amazing dribbles. Um, but yeah, March is always in the box as soon as he doesn't have the ball. Yeah. Um, so he's he's definitely on the list, list of players to bring in. You mentioned Mbomo as well. It started great. He was tipped by a lot of the pros to, to do really well. Him and, and we saw. Yeah. They both started really well, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's it might not be a rush to get him in this week. Uh, I think Brentford have got Palace. I think it's Palace. Um, I did write this down somewhere. Uh, and then uh, in a couple of games time as well, they've got a slightly more difficult fixture. But... It's Brentford, Brentford Palace. Brentford yeah. Palace, yeah. And then they've got a more difficult fixture yeah, in week five. Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah. Um, and therefore, it might not be the best time to bring him in. You've probably got better things, better options to bring in. You either might have to make a defensive transfer to get one of the injured players out, or you could probably get on somebody else who's got a bit of a better fixture. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Chelsea, I know they haven't started great, but they've they've played well, they've played well yeah. and they've got a, the the best run of three fixtures I think you can get starting with Luton at home this week. Um, They're going to thump somebody, aren't they? They will they have to thump come somebody. in, and then 
the next week everybody will will react and bring all their players in. Yeah. So there's yeah, I that's that's the only place I'm really looking this week, I think. This okay. targeting the fixtures, not the not what people have done. Mm-hmm. It's targeting the fixtures. And Bomo has a nice run of fixtures coming up in a few weeks. He'll be brought into a lot of people's teams then if they haven't got already got him. But for me, I'm just gonna wait a little bit. I think there's better value in some of the other teams targeting the fixtures than there is with him this week, even though he's just scored sixteen points yeah. in a week. I think the um if you if you go back to the, the first sort of couple of episodes that we did where you were sort of advising me and, and the listeners on on how to play it, you, you picked your team based on the first probably eight or nine fixtures. Mm-hmm. So after game week two, there there is no need to panic. Oh. I mean, clearly, if somebody's not playing, like Gabriel, for instance, then mm-hmm. you know you do need to make that change. Or if somebody's injured, but just because they haven't made, maybe scored well in the first two games, no. nobody scores consist well. You, probably Haaland last season, but nobody scores consistently every single week. So there's no need to panic. You've based it on eight, nine, ten fixtures. So yeah, exactly. Worth noting. And look, in, look at the number of injuries there's been so far this season. Mm-hmm. Madis, you've got Madison as well, who's... It's not a big injury that he's got. It's more of a protective thing, but it's unlikely that he's going to play, at least play a full game this week. He'll probably yep. be rested this, this weekend. Um, I think if you've already got Madison... Depending on what they say in the press conferences, so wait until the press conference is on Thursday and Friday before you do anything. Um, I'd probably be tempted to keep him because, again, there's probably somebody else in your team that is a more priority transfer than... Tottenham have got good fixtures. They have. So if he's back next week, you're going to want him back anyway. So think the way I think about transfers, and the, the only scenario where this doesn't apply is when you've got two free transfers and you've got nothing else you want to do. Every transfer is worth minus four points. It might not actually take four points off yet if you if you're using your one free transfer, but to, the way to look at it is that you could have used that transfer for someone else as well. Mm-hmm. So you're effect you are effectively losing four points um, because the player that come that comes in has got to be worth more than four points than the player you've taken out. Otherwise, you may as well have just kept them. Yeah. So that, that's the way I look at it. And if you don't don't use a transfer, you then have two free transfers the next week. So that that's that's the way I try and look at it, which means every transfer is really precious. Um, so, yeah, if you're if you're going to take Madison out and then bring him back next week because you really want him, you're effectively used eight points worth of transfers then, and really good point. It might benefit you, but you've got to be very lucky for it to to it to come in and the player that you bring in bangs in eight plus points that week. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, do something else to do it. Yeah, save yeah. it. So really good point. One other thing I wanted to mention is that in the Arsenal game, we noticed that Odegaard took a penalty. Mm-hmm. Now there was no ex- there was no expectation from anybody that he was ever going to take a penalty. Um, it was always Saka that's been on the penalties, and he I think last season he scored twice, missed one, but he is there still their number one penalty taker. When uh, Arteta was interviewed after the game, he said that he was surprised that Odegaard actually took the penalty. Okay. And it was it was literally a conversation on the pitch. Odegaard just fancied it, so he asked Saka. He's the captain as well, right? Yes, yeah, he's like, do you mind if I take it? Saka said, no, go for it. So he did. Um, and the, it's a bit of a story that goes back to pre-season. They did a lot of penalty shootouts. For some reason, all those pre-season friendlies that Arsenal played in the US, they all had penalty shootouts, even when the, the game was, was not one. a draw. That was just absolutely bizarre. But in that, Odegaard scored all his penalties. Okay. And so, so he's feeling confident. He's feeling good. Mm. One of the things that they... And then Arsenal do this with free kicks as well. 
is that they always make it look like somebody else is going to take the free kick and then Odegaard takes it. But every now and again, they let someone else take it just so the, the defenders don't know who is actually going to be the one. Mm-hmm. Doing this is really sneaky because now they don't know whether Odegaard is going to take the penalty or Saka yeah. or even Martinelli takes penalties. Rice can take penalties. The Rice There's... cannot take penalties. Just... <laughs> yeah, you, Rice cannot take penalties. <laughs> I bet he takes one, at least one penalty this year. We'll see. Well, That's we'll a see prediction. We'll, we'll see who's left on the pitch when he takes <laughs> one because, yeah, I don't think he's very good at penalties. Um, and so you've, you've got now uncertainty for the goalkeepers as to who's going to take it. Yeah. I think that's all it was. Just create a bit of uncertainty so they mm. don't know who to prepare against now. It's worth mentioning, um, talking about Arsenal again, the amount of people that... I know you obviously had Erdegaard in, the amount of people that went with Saka and Martinelli. Yeah. Martinelli has not started well. I, he's been bought off in both both games. Hasn't yeah, he? that's always the risk with him is that he because so many people can play in his position. Think of Trossard and uh, like that kind that kind of player. They are really easy players to substitute in. Mm. One good thing about Saka is don't be tempted to take him out because he didn't take a penalty. He doesn't have any competition in his position. Yeah, he's he's, he's guaranteed first on the team sheet after Erdegaard, isn't he? Yeah. Worth noting for the listeners that. Um, and for myself, that there is again another Friday night game. Mm-hmm. So uh, get your transfers and your team locked in by half past six on Friday, probably just before, because as we know, um, it can crash with everyone trying to make changes at the last minute. Yeah, and there'll probably be some early team news for Chelsea as well. So I think people will be waiting for that to come out. Yeah. And therefore, it'll be a big load on the servers. Um, One thing I wanted to mention this week, I've had a look at... The, the amount of transfers that have been going in and out because the, at the start of the season there's just a huge volume of transfers who do you think is the biggest transfer in this week so let's do we're just focused on strikers because strikers seem to have had the biggest turnover who do you reckon striker this week coming in I don't know would it be Isak again um, Isak is actually second yeah which I mean again it baffles me so over 300,000 people have brought in Isak just before they play Liverpool and Brighton. Mm. Now, I know that they, they are not perfect defences. It's not Man City. Yeah, didn't stop people bringing in against City, though, did it? No. And look how good City were in that game. Yeah. They absolutely ran it. Is it beat Wissa? It's, yeah, it's Wissa. Wissa is the number one. Over half a million people have brought him in, mm. which is a huge number. Um, and Brentford's fixtures aren't actually that good. I said this before, they've got... But Palace. This is people looking at the next two fixtures, right? No, they're, what they're doing is they're looking at the points that they've scored in the last two games right. and thinking, oh, well, that Vitter's got 20 points, He's on therefore four. I'm going to bring him straight in. But if, you're, if you've scored those points against teams that, are, that you should be beating, one of them was Fulham, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember Fulham, who. Fulham and Wolves, wasn't it? Oh, no, no. No. I can't remember who the other yeah. one was. Um, but they were, they were two fixtures where you Spurs. would... You would Yeah. Whose who's defence... It's, there's a few new players in there. Uh, it's a brand new manager. He's playing very attacking. Mm-hmm. So you probably expect them to score in that in those games. Yeah. Um, coming up though, Palace, Crystal Palace are not a glamorous team. But look at the way they played against Arsenal. They're so well organised. They were really. It was re- a really tight game. Yeah. And Arsenal didn't miss any massive chances. I, I can't remember seeing them doing that anyway. No. Um, and therefore he might score, but he's probably not going to. Hall, he's not going to get three or four goals. And so you want to bring in players that have got the potential to do that, which is why you target the fixtures. So you're looking at if you look at teams that have played against really weak defences, um, you look at targeting teams like Luton, 
of Fulham because they just they just cannot defend their their, their numbers their defensive numbers they expect to concede goals mm -hmm. they, they they allow teams to create a lot of chances so they're the teams you want to you want to load up on an attack which surprises me that then Jackson who is Chelsea's main striker at the moment they might bring someone else in but for the moment it's him yeah uh, they're looking attacking you get in players like Chilwell who's appearing up in the box they are going for it mm -hmm. he's only fourth. Um, only the fourth highest brought in striker with under 200,000 this week, which I think is crazy. Yeah, especially with the three games they've got coming But up. the reason for that is because he's only scored a couple of points so far. Mm -hmm. So people are looking, thinking, oh, well, why would I bring in someone who's only scored two points this season compared to yeah. someone who's bought 20? Reason is because the one who's got two has got great fixtures coming up, got the yeah. best fixtures you could possibly have. It's a bit like shares, isn't it? You never sell your shares when they're at their lowest point. <laughs> it's right, though. Yeah. Uh, the other the other striker, third place with the over two hundred thousand Alvarez, so for City, which is fair enough, I think. He's not guaranteed to start, which always makes me a bit nervous. Um you never know with City who's gonna be playing City, and he, City can be nil nil after seventy minutes and bring on somebody and they'll win the game three nil. So he's not actually playing up front either. He's playing in like in the it's similar hard, to, it, yeah. to where De Bruyne was playing. Yeah. So you but I mean, I mean, nothing wrong with targeting the Man City attack. They're going to score a load of goals. You might get lucky with 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 Alvarez. He's always going to be in and around the box. So I don't really have a problem with that. And City's fixtures are great as well. So I yeah, I've not got a not got an issue with that. So they're the, they're the top four strikers that have been brought in. It just it baffles me how I'm, I'm, I might come up to come out to having egg on my face next week. But for Visser and Isak to be ahead of Alvarez and Jackson. I think that's the wrong way around, to be honest. Mm -hmm. but. Um, bringing any Everton players in, Dave? <laughs> I think I might be giving Everton a, a bit of a miss. Good God, they are not playing well, are they? No. Um, there's no there's no nice way of putting it, I'm afraid. No. And Calvin Lewin got injured again as well, didn't he? <laughs> that's just inev that's inevitable fella. as well. Yeah, that guy, he could have been a solid England striker. Mm. It's ability in the air, you know. If you want to, if you want to switch to playing like putting crosses in, long ball, that type yeah, of stuff. Hold up, player, perfect player, yeah, yeah, he's perfect. Great. But if we look at the uh, the head versus heart league, mm -hmm. you're sitting quite nicely, sixth place. Sixth place, yep. I've uh, let's just say had a bad week. Um, uh, I mean, down to twenty first. I don't think your team is that bad, though. I actually don't think there's no, a, I think there's a problem had, with your team. Had a bad week. Um, I probably will use both my free transfers. Here we go. Um, and I won't be bringing Everton players in. <laughs> um, I can guarantee that. But there does there does need to be some serious thought going into a couple of those players. Mm -hmm. um, but let's just shout out to the Eid family. I mean, there's there's I think there's four of them in the top ten. <laughs> I don't know whether it's how, one person running all four. How big is that family? Um, I don't is, is this, are we extending this out to, to cousins and aunties and uncles and things? Well, I'm looking down, there's another one in 14th place. Stuart's uh, <laughs> in 29. Yeah, there's there, there, there's yeah, there's at least six six or seven of them in there. Shout out to Stu, mate. You've you've clearly got to step up your game against <laughs> your family, otherwise you're going to get the wooden spoon. Um, but also a, a mention to uh, Rayhan Chowdhury, who's who's top for the second week. Yeah, I, I had a look at, at Rayhan's overall rank. He's inside the top 3,000. I think he's 2,800 in the world, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is very you, impressive. You, there are very few people who will get to that that point that you know anyway. Yeah. So enjoy it while it lasts, but we are coming for you. 
Well, Just a warning. Uh, you're coming through. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot of work to do. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's it for this episode of Head vs. Heart. Um, we'll catch good luck for this weekend and we'll catch you next week. Bye.